podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Time to fire up the grill. Time to go to Total Wine and find the perfect flavor to pair with those burgers. Ooh, I love their beer cooler. <laughs> you love their prices even more. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. All this week on NBC4, new products to new technology. Susan Hogan is showing you how local restaurants are changing the way we dine in and take out in this new world. Tonight at 6. A new twist on outdoor eating. A lot of it is creating flexibility. How one local restaurant is making their outdoor space mobile, giving you plenty of sunshine and social distance for a stress-free meal. It's all part of restaurant revitalization. Tonight at 6 on NBC4, working for you. When you are playing around with fire, dangerous passion is what you feel. Don't waste your time in the wrong direction. Honesty gets you a better deal. Do it, do it again. Do it, do it again with love. Do it, do it again. Do it, do it again with love. Holding, holding, holding fast. Never mind if it doesn't last. Do it, do it again. Do it, do it again with love. Uh, 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 don't ever start it if you can't stop. Uh, We should never have started. Now we can't stop. It's the Day Trippers. Since we last spoke, the feverish optimism of your host has taken a good pasting from a hellish combination of Real Madrid, Liverpool's comedy defending, and our lot's toothless attacking. Also, Steve Bruce's hull had a bit of an effect too. Comprehensive and humiliating defeat followed by the intense frustration of the nil-nil draw against Hull were mitigated somewhat by last night's absurdly late cup win over Swansea, courtesy of the much-maligned Mario Balotelli and Dejan Lovren. It's a confusing time to be a red man, and joining me in the bunker tonight are Andy Young, Dave Thomas, Neil Gray, Phil Casey. And we're also going to be joined for some Trippers chats by Vine Maestro, Christian von Strenghare. Okay, uh, let's look at the most recent Liverpool activity as a kind of a bunch of matches. Um, and we'll look at it um, in terms of themes, I suppose, instead of individual matches, because there's a, lit- a little bit too much to do there. Uh, we'll start off by having a look at something a little bit more positive than uh, some of the other things we're going to look at, and that is the youth that's coming through through at Anfield um, a wonderful win for the kids against um, Real Madrid of late Phil did you manage to see any of that? No (laughs) you have stitched me up here you fucker no no no, I I, I think what what gets overlooked an awful lot is um, you know when we talk about youth everyone's looking at the the, the 21s and the reserves and the whole who are doing well who are doing yeah and you know there seems to be a production line of talent coming through there you know the likes of um, Sergio Canos and Chiravilla that the the new the new lads coming in Mm -hmm. and you've got the likes of Ivan that on loan who's really doing well for Derby this year and Sinclair and Sinclair as well and like even Yezel is coming back from the cruciate ligament and he's shown Mm. a bit but I think what gets overlooked is we, 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 we do tend to forget the youth that's in the first team and we do, when, when go, looking back at the matches and the people who perform well over the last three or so games, you're looking at Coutinho, who's, who's only a kid in relative terms. He's, he's only 20, like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're looking at Sterling again, who's not even 20 yet. You're looking then at the two fullbacks, and it's Moreno and Manquillo. Again, Manquillo's only 20. You know, the, what, like, we should be celebrating the fact that the, the really positive points that's coming out of the season 
are stemming from the young kids who are really stepping up to the mark and making their mark on it. Even Henderson. Like, mm. Henderson is a baby in, in, in centre midfield terms. Mm. You know, Emery Chan, 21. You know what I mean? The, this is this is now becoming the backbone of our team. It's a team that's been built with such young players and such good young players as well that, you know, it's not going to take much additions to them to really, you know, to, to make this a very strong team in depth. And even, look at Sturridge. Sturridge is not an old player either. Like, you know, you're looking at a very, very young core of an, of an exceptionally good elite bunch of talent there. Um, and then it's, it's, it, if, if we look at where the issues have been through the season, it's been more around the more experienced players than it has been around these younger players. Like the ones that you would have expected to step up and show the leadership and show everything on the pitch are not the ones that have been doing it. We should be celebrating the, the, uh, the looking at Coutinho coming back into form as he did. You know, we, we saw it against Swansea. He was just everywhere on the pitch. Everything that was happening was coming through him. When he comes on against Hull, the whole shape of the team changes. Everything re- there's, uh, the, the pace in the game goes up again. He's going by players. Even the chance at the end, it's, it's orchestrated from Coutinho. You look at Moreno, we've been waxing lyrical about this kid who's come in as a left-back and providing with such attack and verve down the left-hand side. He's a kid, you know, and he's in a new league. Mankio, people are talking about, again, last night, he was arguably the best player on the pitch. The amount of ground he covers, the wit he provides in the team, the defensive stability he gives down the right flank, you know, this is, these are really, really good signs for the future in terms of what we have. And they're showing, they're coming through at, an, at a really good rate as well. And that's without going into the kids that are playing the, the likes of Real Madrid and beating them, you know, the, and the other stuff that's coming through, the likes of wisdom and stuff that are out and long. Ali, is, is that fair enough to say, like, I mean, I this sinking feeling that Phil's going to come back to one or two younger people that mightn't be so impressive <laughs> later on. But, but uh, let's just talk about the, the upside. Is that a fair point that, you know, given the comparative view to these kids, um, We've relied on them heavily, and they have pretty much, you know, come up trumps. <clears throat> yeah, it's funny enough. We like we all are aware of how young the team is, and yet nobody ever offers that excuse yeah. for when the team doesn't perform. Like you know, the team needs to be cut some slack every so often, especially when they're so young. Mm. An average age, like quite often, twenty three, twenty four. You know, um. So yeah, like you can't expect miracles out of them when you're doing you're doing a job on the cheap, like Liverpool effectively are. You know, we're not throwing money around. Mm. Rogers is trying to get the best out of young players and develop a team. Look, this, this is a, a very, very young core in the team. And in a way, you, you, you might think to yourself, you know, you need experience in the goalkeeping position. You, I, I prefer to see experienced centre-backs because I think a centre-back really only comes into his game about 26, 27. And if you're looking at setting up a Liverpool side and you want that stability in there and you want your team based around youth, pace and the, the, the technical ability that Dave was talking about, that's where you need to lock in the experience. And, you know, in a way, you, you say you, you do need a, 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 an experienced midfielder in there with the likes of Henderson and stuff like that. Just every now and then to, take, to kill the game, you know, to take control of it. So show these lads that it's not always 100 miles an hour, that when you are in, in, in a front position that you can just take your foot, kill the game, move it around the whole lot. And similarly, you don't want your centre-backs panicking when you're going into the last 10 minutes of a game because the last thing you need is the centre-backs centre being fearful of, of a team throwing, throwing haymakers at them as, as they come into the last five minutes. And that's where you need the experience. Same with the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper needs to be calm and composed. And a lot of the conversations that are going around about the goalkeeper and people are talking about bringing in 19, 20-year-olds and, I've, I've, and I've, I've, I've said it on Twitter as well. I said we shouldn't be considering a goalkeeper under the, under the age of 24, 25 because he needs to have at least 150, 200 appearances, senior appearances under his belt to come into Liverpool to deal with the pressure that he's going to be under when he comes in and takes it. Even Reina, when he came in, he'd had a long stint to Villarreal. He played Champions League 
and he was starting to show the, that level of ability. So look, it's something that we should be celebrating. It's something that's getting glossed over an awful lot because of the way results haven't been great. We haven't been scoring goals. But the form of these kids are, is fucking phenomenal. And I, if we can get the other bits clicking in the actual team, we've got a really, really, really strong core of young players that can do a job over for the next five or six years. And that's why, instead of just going straight into the issues that, that have been apparent in the matches, it's just time to take a step back and just recognise the strength that is actually in that side. Add goals into it and we'll, we'll be going again. Well, it's always nice to have your positivity at the start of any podcast. <laughs> and now! <laughs> this is the shit I get. Uh, Andy, a lot of foreshadowing there by Dave and, and, and Phil about uh, the defence and talking about uh, in a roundabout fashion. One of the comparatively useful pe- people we were chatting about there is Dejan Lovren, who's not really um, been excelling uh, since he since he joined. Uh, another comparatively young for a goalkeeper person is, mm. is Simon Mignola. No. <laughs> Just okay, let, okay, let okay, me okay, finish okay, my okay, point okay, to you. Okay. Absolute. Um, but what, how, do, how do you explain away the form of more experienced lads, the likes of Glenn Johnson, the likes of Martin Skirl, the likes of Jose Enrique, who just seem to have forgotten how to defend. Yeah, I, well, they're not um, forgotten. Well, have they been able to defend before? Re- realistically, <laughs> uh, uh, make a good point. Johnson's Johnson's slowed up. Uh, what what he had gone from was his attacking part of his game, and which which is gone now. He's not as composed in the ball as he used to. Skirt was always hot and cold. Yeah. You never, you know, you got a season now, and then you didn't get a season now, and then you you make mistakes here and there. Uh, Enrique, no, he's never never been a, a very composed player. Um, so they're not Rogers players, and I mean, they'll be shown the door eventually mm. and replaced with what I suppose Rogers feels is you know his style of player and so far his style of player is Lovren who isn't really you know coming to fruit either mm. so it, it it's a difficult it's a difficult one um but it's it's going to take it it's going to take time you know to and he's he's about 2 years in the job and he still hasn't really developed the back four but his focus is certainly on the the front end of the pitch mm. which isn't half bad you know, when you consider what he's developing from midfield up. Well, just when we thought we had a set of pair of fullbacks, Glenn comes back into the rotation and uh, and he seems to be Rogers' man. Yeah. So you're looking at him keeping at least the two centre-halves I don't think he's together. Rogers' man at all. I think it's just... Well, he seems to be a favourite, Andy, for the last two yeah, seasons. But, he's, it, but you can see Rogers' logic in it in a lot of ways. Like, there's there's people who'll defend uh, Johnson to the hilt on, on Twitter or whatever. And although... I don't. I don't believe he should be in the team himself. Mm. You can see a, a lot of valid points. Like he does have the experience, and Manquillo has played fuck all games really. Mm. You know, in, in his in his short career, you wouldn't know to watch him perform. No, you certainly wouldn't. He's been a, he's been absolutely brilliant, and you know he's he, he looks to me like a really you know Liverpool type of player. Mm. You know his his work ethic, ethic, his class, and you know he's he's no no mess, and you know he's just he's just a, re, a really tidy player, and I think as time goes on, Roger uh, Johnson's just going to be fizzled out. It's definitely his last season at the club, mm. but Rogers, I just think he feels that maybe Manquillo can learn a little bit from Johnson on the pitch as well. You know. There's, there's, there's still, he's still a half decent player. Fuck, I hope he doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you have to sit back and kind of weigh it up from Rogers' point of view. Like he's, yeah. he's huge responsibility there. He's the manager of the club, and you know, he's not. He does want to ruin this fella, this prospect. 
you yeah. know, straight away. Yeah, fair enough. Neil, that's that actually, you know, when you think about it that way and, and being a little bit more sympathetic than the manager, because it's the easiest thing in the world to do to, to act the back off him, I guess. But, I mean, one man who seems to be his go-to guy, his central um, core for that central, uh, central defence is, is, is Dejan Lovren. And let's be honest, has he played one entirely excellent match? Absolutely not, no. You know? No, he's been really poor. He has? Okay, brilliant. Well, I'll, I'll come to you in a minute, Dave, to talk about that. I suppose, listen, if we can look at, if we can take it, what we're nine games in, <clears> in the league, isn't it? Yeah. If we take that as a, if we just try to step back and have a look at that and assess him over the first nine games, he's been really poor. Um, maybe really poor is a little bit strong. He's certainly not lived up to the standard that we were expecting. I mean, after the build up he got from, particularly from Carragher and Neville there and their analysis over last season, they said he's going to be the next best thing at centre half in the Premier League he certainly hasn't lived up to that he was supposed to bring in he was supposed to be a figure of authority um, yeah, and he's, he's certainly not that either but listen I think it's very it's, I think it's very hard to uh, to to completely damn the, the back four without speaking about the goalkeeper for me they operate as a unit um, you can't just criticise one element of the of the Paul back four as as a back four without talking about the goalkeeper. Okay, well, look, I'll tell you what. We will come back to Simon Minnie because I do want I do want to speak about him. I know you've something you want to say about him as well, Phil. Um, but Dave, uh, maybe give me a, give me a counterpoint there to to to, to my in, introduction to him that you think he's done well on occasion. Well, you said as he had one good game, right? and he has, yeah. Right. He's played well. He played well against Southampton. He was good against Tottenham. In fact, he was good for the two games did, that he played. Did you not think he started very, very dodgily against Southampton and, and grew into, into the game? game. But yeah, I think yeah. he's done that in a few times. But okay. I mean, okay. I mean, that's what all players do. I mean, you know, how many players are consistently excellent for ninety minutes? Mm. Look, I feel like I'm the the last person in the room in the Love Room fan club, and I got to turn the lights off soon. <laughs> like you know, <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm his, not. Hand, his hand on the switch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not belligerent. It's a just, dimmer switch. It's been no, turned down. <laughs> I feel like I talk about the same things after every game. I'm not belligerently just saying, just because I don't want to say that I'm wrong. I think I'm wrong about loads of stuff, like you know. But I give like, us some examples of what it, you're wrong. It's in my article. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll give you one example. I said that Costa would flop at Chelsea. So there's an example. I said, I, you know, on this pod, I said I didn't think uh, Costa would make an impact at Chelsea. So there we go. That's I mean, that, well. you know, that's gone well. I that's said we shouldn't well. have signed Fabregas <laughs> because we had Coutinho. So you know, you you say these things because nobody knows fuck all about football. So the thing about <laughs> we don't. So you might as well switch off now. So you might as well switch off. <laughs> Thanks for listening. But let me <laughs> let, I'm going to sing back. a song let me, now instead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let me come back to number. He hasn't been great, right? And but he's 24, right? He has, I don't think, played two games consecutively with the same back four. Yeah, that's right. That's a massive. I don't think he's point. done that at all. I think that his confidence is low, mm-hmm. and I think that he has the jump from being in. Southampton's back four to Liverpool's back four has been much tougher than he thought it was going to be. And he's an arrogant guy, right? He's a very confident guy. And I think he has found that really, really difficult. I think that it's one of the downsides of signing players at centre-back to Phil's point earlier who or a goalkeeper who are under 25 is that they have mistakes in them. They have too many mistakes in them. And the question for Lovren is going to be, do those mistakes go... As he gets more confident and as he grows more used to the players he's playing with and the way Rodgers wants to play, I think that in his time in, certainly in his time in Southampton, 
he's shown enough evidence that he's capable of that and I think he's shown it in glimpses playing for Liverpool mm. so after 10 games of his Liverpool career I'm not going to sit here and say that A he has never played well because he has and B that he will never play well because I think he will but no one knows he has a lot of things going on around him and he was poor last night for the goal you know he, you know that's a mistake but for the rest of the 90 minutes that he played, I thought he actually played okay. And I thought he played well against Hull. I thought he played well against Tottenham. I think he plays better with Sacco. I think he plays better with Torrey. Um, so it's not that I'm belligerently defending him and I think that he's the next Beckenbauer. I don't think that. I like a lot of things that he's trying to do. I like the way that I think we would defend if we got all the defenders to do what he's trying to do, if that sounds mad. I think I'd like that. But I recognise that he's struggling and that, but right now, it's like the entire fan base has got love run on player cam for every game. And it's just everything he does wrong. It's like, there's another example. Every still of every chance that gets created is contorted and twisted so that he looks out of position. There's a snap of him looking the other way. It's like the fucking Sabruda film from the Kennedy assassination. Like, we're just mm. watching it over and over again. Back and to the left. Back and to the left. Trying to prove that Lovren is out of position. What about this idea? Like, whether you think it's a ridiculous concept or not, we have to deal with it because people are talking about it all the time. What about this idea of a specific coach to, for the defence? Should it not be something that Rodgers can do on his own, like a lot of other managers but, do? But, or yeah. should it be no, something well, I, that, that he should employ a specific person for, given the failings? Though? I couldn't believe there wasn't. Yeah. You know, I thought, like, somebody suggested they should bring in a defensive coach and say, shut the fuck up, of course there's a defensive coach. Yeah. That's, that's sort of baffling to me, actually. Right. There is a defensive coach. Pasco is the defensive coach. Pasco is in charge of the defence. Yeah, okay. He's that's a centre, played centre back. But this Pasco is true. Was a winger. Whether we think he was a winger. Whether we think that <laughs> Pasco is in charge of the defence, yeah. right? Whether we think that he's good at doing that but or not. But he's not really good at it. A then, is he? That's a fucking problem. Like, but <laughs> no, obviously it is. But you can't you can't split the t- yeah. team into two. You but can't say. Is, I think there's. Well, I'm sorry, no, but you, I, can't, you can you can you can. I mean, like the the fan, uh, the goalkeeper heads off at, at certain portions of training with his goalkeeping coach. I mean, there is specific training. They're not just having games of five aside all day together. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the the whole method that Rogers has brought into training is it splits. It does split the group an awful lot. It's all but tailored. The, the goalkeeping coach is. Coaching the goalkeeper to play in an overarching vision that Rogers has outlined, same as the defence. So Rogers is saying to the defensive coach, and I think this needs to be tweaked. I just don't think the solution is a new person doing that job. I think there needs to be a new approach to how we play. But the he says to the to Pasco, then go and coach the defenders. And what I wanted to coach him on is to, you know, bring the ball out to look for the pass, to yeah. split to Did get it, the goal okay, ball off yeah. the goalkeeper. I understand, and that's that's Rogers' philosophy, and he's going to oversee the whole lot. Yeah. But you bring in a defensive coach, coach who's who's um, responsible for delivering that tra- type of training mm-hmm. and having the players understand what they're supposed to do. I you suppose know, like it's it, my, it's my, a huge role having somebody, in my opinion, specifically dedicated to certain areas. It's, of the it's pitch. not just Don Howe with a length of rope getting the lads no, to four Arsenal fullbacks in the line. You, There's you, more you know, to it. Than Milan, that. Milan went and poached. Fiorentina's set-piece coach. There you go. Now, that's what they did this season to improve themselves defensively and offensively. I think, Phil, I just want to hold it, say something there for a second. You know, like, it's a defensive coach, Pasco, is it, whoever it is. I think the problem is a little bit more fundamental than that. I mean, we have defenders who don't have the inherent sense to sense when there is danger. 
mean, that's a problem. Like an attacker senses when there's uh, chances possibly. Our lads don't seem to realise when there's danger. About. <laughs> we need to get the lost in space robot. <laughs> danger, 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 Robinsons, danger. <laughs> no, but listen, it's a fact. Instead of Mighty Red, we get the robot behind and go, danger, Robinsons, danger. No, but they, uh, oh yeah, he's a very fucking funny. <laughs> no, but they don't. I mean, the thing, I mean, you said Lovren gives up a chance a game. So does Skirtle, so does Sacco. So does Johnson when he plays. So does Enrique. There's a, there's a massive flaw there and the goalkeeper shit. Yeah. So if, you're go- if your defenders are going to give up a chance every game, I mean, watch out. Like, you want no, your cent- two centre-halves to get no, 7 to I, 8 out of 10 every game. No, yeah. listen, listen to what, what I'm saying to you is I agree, in a sense, that we need def- we need specific coaching, right? Now, come on, Dave has a point that if, if Rodgers has a point, has his, a defensive coach there or has somebody coaching the defence, then he has it. Now, the decision falls back to Rodgers. Do I think the fella that's doing that job, is he good enough, right? Mm-hmm. Now, look, there's no, there's no, we don't know, right? Nobody knows. We can, only, we can only surmise on what's going on on the pitch. Now, it could be that they're not actually carrying out what they're doing in training. <laughs> no, the pictures that we would see in training before that whole game yeah. would make you wonder what they're doing in training, right? But like, I go back to the bit about um, Milan poaching Fiorentina set-piece coach. They have somebody specifically that deals with set pieces, whose whose job is to formulate different variations on set pieces and attacking sense, and also to analyse the opposition set pieces and make sure that the defensive defensive defence on set pieces, on set piece defending, is set up to specifically to counter the type of the, the set pieces that they play. And the important thing is there is that the, Rogers embraces this type of analysis in his game, right? So you'd be hoping that if the guys aren't good enough, he must be looking at it and saying, "Well, I need to improve on that." Mm. Right, and whether, and whether he mightn't do it mid-season, he might say, "Right, there's no point doing it mid-season. I'd rather wait till I get to the end of the season, and I'll bring somebody in then." A bit like what they've done in the academy, where they refreshed at the end of the season as opposed to mid-season, because then you're bringing in a whole load of new ideas and then starting off something else mid-season. When Rogers himself says they don't have the coaching time because of the run of games that they have back on back, but I do think there's merit in saying, "Is our defensive coaching good enough?" And I and I think if we get to the end of the season or even a mid-season break, or whatever it is, right, and the personnel changes that he's tried to implement don't work, and specifically Lovren, right? Let's be honest about it. If Lovren doesn't work, and we talked about this, out of all the transfers we've done by January, either Lovren and Balotelli needs to work. If neither of those work, then we're going to have a tough season, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're big, you know, spine of the team Mm signings. But let me give you a specific example of where I think just bringing in, for example, Tony Pulis to sort out the defence doesn't work. Lovren, right, when he wins a header, but bear with me here. (laughs) But when he wins a header, right, and skirt... A forward-moving header. A forward-moving header. And I'm talking specifically about the last two games because I think that Madrid was a real low point and there seems to have been a collective effort to try and be a bit more solid after Madrid, right? When they win the header... In on their defensive line, the header always goes into midfield. Always goes, mm-hmm. right? Whereas if you're a defensive-minded coach, if you're Tony, Tony Pirlis, the header goes out. It goes out of bounds. It goes towards the byline to go out for a throw-in. So this is where I think that's someone saying, I want my defence to land the ball in play because I think we'll counter and I think we'll score from mm-hmm. a counter-attack. Mm-hmm. Versus someone who doesn't think I want the ball in play to counter I just want to clear my lines. That's that's why you can't just drop in someone whose expertise is keeping a clean sheet because Roger's primary objective isn't just to keep a clean sheet. It's to keep a clean sheet while transitioning into scoring goals. Yeah, but that's 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 when that's when your choice 
and I agree on the choice that there will come imperative. a point where he has to say they're conceding 57 goals in a season or 55 goals or 50 goals or 45 goals when I've spent all this money on the defence something is wrong I just don't think that doing that right now when he's not ready to do it and dropping someone in whose only expertise <coughs> is clearing your lines is the right thing to do because I, there's a more cohesive strategy. Listen, I and I and, and I agree with the point, but I, I don't I I do think that there is definitely a question to be asked now at this point in time to say, is our defensive coaching good enough? And if it's not, then you make changes. Well, that, def- that question is always going to be asked yeah. until we start defending well. Yeah, I think, I think Rogers is one of those managers who, and you, you hear it a lot now, if, if we concede a goal and it's from a basic error, I'm going to take responsibility. Because it's, it's so, it's so uh, it, it occurs so often and it's so apparent that the same mistakes are happening over and over again. So the players aren't getting bollocked for it. Because you can be sure if Johnson, say that goal, uh, the, the looping header from Benzema, you can be very, very sure if that if Mourinho conceded that, the player would be probably dropped. You know, yeah, whereas yeah, Johnson yeah. will 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 be caught in the headlights so and he, and so he was, often. But, but he was dropped because he didn't play against Hull. He put Mourinho yeah, well, we can, back in. Okay, and, I, 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 I don't to, think I don't think it was directly because of that. I think at the moment, but it should have been Johnson and Manquillo are, mm. are sharing that position a lot. But that's such a Johnson thing to do, and we've seen it time and time again. Yet Rogers is persistently kept kept in, um, faith in him so I think he is one of those managers who's like you know fuck it like it's happened it's it's what I've it's what I'm coaching you to do so I'll take so the players aren't really fully feeling the responsibility of such an error mm. yeah. because they know in training on a Monday morning there's not going to be nothing said about it I think you're absolutely right I think it's a great point I think that he has widened the net of what is an acceptable mistake yeah. probably too far I think that do you remember when Skirtle gave that back pass to uh, was it Tevez in his first season I can't yeah. remember yeah, yeah, you yeah. know against Man City you know he comes out after the game Rogers, and he says I'm telling him to do that I'm always telling him to mm. play that ball actually the fault is that no one's there for the pass yeah. I think he's just built on that all the time and it's almost like he's accepting that some of these errors are inherent in what he's asking the team to do and he's forgiven them I just want to go back finally to something Neil said which I do think gets overlooked in this conversation around the defensive coach and you know the individual errors we do have a goalkeeper that doesn't come off his come, leave a six yard box when the ball's in play and we have fullbacks who play on the halfway line and we have a defensive midfield player or a theoretical defensive midfield player who doesn't play defensive midfield you are asking two players to cover 50 yards of the pitch that is a lot to ask centre-backs to do. And I think it is inevitable that when you're asking them to do that, I mean, you know, you 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 need Beckenbauer and fucking Lothar Mateus playing there and they'd still get caught out with the way we play. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, uh, I think defensively, like, we're, we're not set up as a defensive team. No. You only have to look at the kind of the banks. We don't, we don't, this whole uh, thing where, you remember, Rafa would have two very, very tight lines, yeah. and nothing could would happen in between the the line of defence and the midfield. We don't, we don't do that. We're yeah. we're not doing that. Players are drifting all over the place, and our players are getting pulled out of position. It's not Rogers' philosophy to defend like that, and it's the only real successful way to defend in the in the Premier League. And Chelsea do it all the time. It's very, very difficult to get at them yeah. because there's no. Well, we all went mad at yeah. the Rafa because we all yeah. thought he was boring. You can't like, do. We, you can't no actually goals. do both. So, okay. Yeah. Okay, let's 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 move it on we from there. Seeing as seeing as you fellas have started talking about philosophies and stuff like that, let's have a look at team selection and tactics. And Neil, I'm going to come to you on this. Um, it seemed to be easier last season, wasn't it, when there was basically only twelve players that 
the manager trusted. So on the pitch, it was it, yeah, <laughs> like Everton. That one. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you know, like it was easier. Now, now we have this new raft of players in, and um, everyone's looking to get their time, and everyone's looking to be to prove a point, and Brendan's looking to prove their efficacy as as performers. Uh-huh. Um, look, do you think he's been managing his resources well? Rogers, yeah, the resources he had in the yeah. summer, for example, the resources he currently has. In, t- in terms, in terms, of, the in playing terms staff. Of, of tactics and setup and, and selection, um, what he has now. Well, I suppose the, the simple, um, no, <laughs> obviously not. I mean, mm-hmm. the team is underperforming massively from from okay, what, well, from where we were give, last year. Give me a, a sample of some of the calls that have kind of annoyed you in terms of selection <sighs> that you've disagreed with, or even even in terms of setup. Well, t- well, I suppose in terms of uh, Rogers' philosophy is at its heart a counter-attacking philosophy. I mean, that's where we got all. Although he came from Swansea with a with a, a, a possession-dominated tactic, he didn't employ that at Liverpool, which kind of which threw me at the beginning. I have to be honest, but listen, it, it was very effective last year. And so his tactic is predominantly counter-attacking. Yet, and yet he play, he's playing one up front this season consistently and that doesn't lend itself to a counter-attack and philosophy mm. so there he's contradicting himself and then the and the one guy he is playing up, up, up front namely Balotelli isn't mobile mm. and he doesn't seem his positional sense is fucking awful mm. for a lad who has played at the top level and played at top clubs with top managers I mean many times there last night I was looking at him and he was drifting out he was out on the left and there's nobody in the box I mean it's criminal mm. I mean it's not that Surely it can't be that complicated just to get yourself in the box and move the odd time and not be standing there like a lamppost. I mean, Lambert comes in, he does the exact same thing. <laughs> so, I, I'm, I'm scratching my head. I'm, it's baffling sometimes. See, yeah. it's, it's, it's reductive to, to, to bring it back to a single player. The issue that we have is that the same as last season... He's, but Trev did ask me to give me an example of a single player, so that's what I did. I know, but I'm, I'm just saying it's reductive to bring it back to a single player when you're talking about tactics because tactics isn't formed around one player unless the player is Luis Suarez. Now we built a team around Luis Suarez. We've lost Luis Suarez, and we haven't adapted our tactics to for for, for playing without him. So you've just given the example that proves the rule, basically. In terms of in terms of no, you build a team around your best player. But but if you take with Neil's point, uh, Rogers comes with this dead by football possession based stuff that went out the window fairly quickly when it became apparent that there was a better way to play that got bloody results. So he with adapted, and we we, yep. we 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 applaud him for that. Yep. Now. The thing needs to change because the thing well, what, is not what, what working. I'm, what I'm saying to you is, I think what's happened is he has adjusted his philosophy. He's looked at the he's looked at again at teams that were successful in the Premier League score a lot of goals, right? And you look at the first season, he scored seventy goals. Second season, he scored over hundred goals, right? He he developed a system that gets the best out of the players that he has. Now, what he's done is he looked to do the same thing with Sturridge instead of Suarez. Sturridge gets injured, right? My issue with, with Brendan this season, big time, is that he hasn't then gone and said, right, my next bank is, here's what I have. I have Balotelli. Neil says his position is, is, is terrible. I wouldn't agree with that. You know, he plays a certain style. What we haven't done is adapted our game to fit the style that he plays. To have a third and fourth runner into the box when Balotelli drifts wise to create space and drag players away. And that's what happened last night. When he came on, he was drifting out wide left. Barini was cutting into the box. He was giving another focal point. Balotelli then arrives late. If you look at the goal, what happens? Balotelli starts wide left, then cuts a diagonal into the box. Barini gets the cross in and he's there to meet the cross. And he's attacking. The, he's attacking. What you can see from Balotelli is, is he's starting to attack 
the six yard box in the front post more than what he would have done I four think or five weeks ago. I think that was more by accident, by design. For I don't think so. I, I, I'll, I'll tell you why. I mean, if it's it, not happening consistent enough for me. Well, to it, say well, that it did because if you go if, if you go back to the whole match, he misses a sitter in front of, in, from a very similar position where Coutinho cuts down the left hand side, whips a ball across, and Balotelli again is attacking the front post, and the keeper makes a save off that one. It's almost a near identical goal, but from the opposite side of the pitch and off a similar type ball that's coming in, and it looks to me that while I don't agree with the formation, the four two three one that he keeps employing that there is an element when we've got 20 minutes to go and we need to get a goal that we are starting to put somebody in around him Barini was in around him it wasn't necessarily a two that was there but he was playing more or less in around him and creating space so that if Balotelli drifted it wide Barini was covering the space inside so we weren't left with a massive gap if you look beforehand when Lambert was on the pitch if Lambert pulled out wide there was nobody else around him Barini was wide on one side and Markovic was wide on the other side and there was just nothing through the actual centre And that's where we changed. When we changed it up for the last 20, 15 minutes or so, when we had to push and look for an equaliser, and then we actually got the winner off it as well, the whole thing changed because we started getting players in around the central forward. And that lends itself to more of being a, a 4 4 1 1. Or, you know, it, it, it puts somebody in around who you're calling the focal point here of, of your strike force is. And if, that, if, if, if he's somebody that likes to drift wide and attack, in the same way that people will be talking about, oh, Welbeck might have done a job for us, or you, you go back to somebody else, Balotelli's making the same movements. As, as as they do, just the goals haven't been coming. I feel. I think though you're. Conf- um, sorry, sorry. I think what you're confused. Well, you're confusing with it. I don't think the last twenty minutes, sorry, last night was anything to do with tactics. We were fifty. We were one goal down. We were at home. We had to get through to the next. Or there was going to be the, the roof was going to fall in on the place. So everybody pushed forward to get a goal. And obviously, when that happens, you're going to have players in the box, and, and there's going to be movement everywhere. I mean, if that was the case. That would have been happening for the last six, seven games, but it hasn't been. So we haven't been scoring goals. So I, it don't can't agree, have been happening I don't agree. I don't agree. Lallana, with you Lallana came on. Lallana came on, and he stops hugging the touchline in the way Markovic had been hugging the touchline. You know, we start. We are. are well, Markovic ta- is out there because he's a rabbit caught in the headlights. The way the way we changed our attacking style for the last twenty minutes is similar to what we did with Hull, and we had players then in around where the the, the central point of our attack was. So that, knowing that if Balotelli drops drops out of, of the front line there was somebody else there to back him up. To say that there's no tactics involved, there is, because there's a change in focus in the way we're actually attacking. Up until then, we were playing very much with width and looking to get crosses. We were looking to serve, we were playing crosses from deep. So, you know... To, yeah, but if, if, but that's, I think, if that's effective, I, but I think, then Neil, why don't we just, do it from the start? And that's exactly my point. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's, what I, that's my issue in terms of the way Rodgers has been playing, is that instead of going to this system when you need to get a goal, start that way. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, the car can't be coming before the horse, like you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's it, it would have taken a, it would take a genius sitting in the stand to see what needed to happen there last night. You know, Rogers is sitting on the bench and he's he's analysing how the game is going. The players themselves see they're sitting there thinking, "Fuck, if I get on here, I know what I'm going to do here." Mm-hmm. So when you come off the bench, you're going to make an impact. And if you do something a little bit different to what's been happening all night, so you can't just say, "Oh, we'll start this way. This will we'll start winning from now on." Because what will happen, the game will go a certain way. And then you'll depend on a player like Markovic, if he ever, you know, well, we, starts playing, to yeah. come on and do something different. So substitutes are brought on to change games. Mm-hmm. And they're always brought on towards the end, you know, with Rogers especially, half an hour to go. You know, fa- failing that, there's, it's it's very rare you'd see any manager change it up at half time. It's always around the end of the game. When players, uh, the game is finishing out, players are touring and you want f- uh, fresh legs, come on and do something different. Yeah. And that's just typical of what happened last night. We were very lucky last night without playing too badly. Like I mean, Liverpool controlled the game. For the most part, it was a possession type of game and they controlled it. But 
you know, Rogers when he came into Liverpool, we were asking about possession football and how he's abandoned it. I don't think he's necessarily abandoned it by choice. He's figured out that his best players are flair players with pace, mm. and they're that's not the type of uh, they're not the type of players you play possession football with. Do you understand what I mean? Like you're gonna you're gonna utilize your 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 strengths. And with Suarez the way he was and Sterling with his pace. Yeah, that, that was the point his, I was making, yeah. I mean, yeah. you're going to, you know, it's not like, Rodgers wants to play attractive football and, he, you know, he wants to defend to be higher up the pitch. And you're not going to score goals from possession football with them type of players, hmm. really, when you think about it. I mean, you're not going to score goals from possession football alone unless you're a really, really special team because nine, maybe, <laughs> like 90 90, 95 goals out of 100 don't like they come from mistakes losing the ball in your own half or, or set pieces yep. it's rare you see a goal that's come from maybe 50-60 passes what you say it's a tactical so thing so yeah. when you're a team like Liverpool and teams are coming to Anfield and they're defending it's not like at Swansea where everything coming to Swansea was giving it a go mm. you keep the ball and, and Roger's whole thing was like you know the more you keep the ball the more chance you're going to have a score so it's, it's, it's a different challenge and at Liverpool all our best players were type of them type of flair players, and he's just he, he's just utilizing. Well, he's trying, especially last season with a bit of, bit more counter attack, and he's utilizing what he has. What's there, Dave? What about that? Um, I know you want to come in on this idea of, of of selection and tactics, and feel free to do that. And you, you might kind of segue into the attack because we want to finish off talking about those uh, guys as well. Well, yeah, I mean, for me to go back to something that was said earlier, you know what what Rogers does is he built a team around Luis Suarez. Well, of course, Luis Suarez is a good enough player that you build your team around him. And then this season you go, okay, well, let's build our team around Sterling and Sturridge. But then you lose Sturridge. So then you start running out of players who are good enough to build your team around. So then what you have to say is, well, let's play the way I think we should be playing. And I think that, but you know, Balotelli might prove himself to be good enough to build your team around. I don't think he is yet. And I don't think he's good enough to justify moving to a system that throws crosses into the box or plays a particular way that, that suits him. I think what we saw last night is that that tactic can work. I also think that what we've seen, and I mentioned it earlier, post-Madrid and post-QPR, is that he has gone, fuck scoring 100 goals for a minute. Let's just like stop conceding two or three a game and let's get a bit more solid. Let's control the ball a little bit more. Let's be a little bit more compact. His selection against Hull is probably the most defensive selection he has made in over a year. Mm-hmm. Right, I mean, it. You know, Emre Jean, Allen, and Gerard is the most offensive midfield he's ever picked. Uh, he picks Lallana who tracks back. He doesn't pick Coutinho. Um, you know, he, he picks a really defensive side. He doesn't want to concede goals, and he didn't concede goals. And then he goes to Swansea, and we're very compact, control the ball. I think that the challenge he's going to have is how do you open that up and start you know, start to create more chances. I thought we played well last night. Mm. I actually thought we played well. The problem we've got is that we don't have a player who is winning games for us. Phil, on that, is Mario Balotelli, after, you know, having some sort of a moment, some sort of an awakening last night, or is it just another little highlight amidst a lot of mundanity? Had Mario Balotelli taken the good chances he's had, he'd be on about seven or eight goals for this season. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, so that, that in effect says that maybe there's not too much wrong with Rodgers' tactics. 
Because well, we have got chances for Balotelli. We have, but we haven't made as many chances as we've made in previous seasons. No. So it's, it's, it's a bit of you're hoping that what's happening, you know, you get the results out. Going back to what we've ta- when, and when we were talking about the preview, it's about a case of just getting three points as opposed to necessarily a brilliant performance. Get the three points, get the three points, get ourselves closer to when storage comes back and hopefully we can, we, we can change things around. But like you're saying about Balotelli, right? I think over the last, he's been, he's an easy scapegoat for everything that goes wrong because it takes the attention away from everything else mm-hmm. that goes on because of the way he looks and carries himself on the actual pitch itself. However, he changes the game when he comes on last night. He scores the goal. Now, the great thing would be if Balotelli goes and scores again at the weekend yeah. and gets, you know, starts putting a run of goals. Dave, I'll say, remember when we talked about the 95-96 season or the 96-97 yeah. season and we're talking about Collymore was struggling to yeah. get goals up until October, November and then he went on a run of goals. And if you're looking for a sort of similar type striker, we're talking about the mercurial type striker who isn't necessarily a big man but, you know, wouldn't have been that type of all-round poacher in the box. Very similar in terms of the style of player and the type of player that we have here. So hopefully, I'm hoping he gets another goal at the, at the weekend and then you, you see maybe a bit of confidence and maybe that if the players see him scoring you can start seeing things happening again with him. I'm, I'm really, I feel terrible for Lambert at the moment because the fella looks so below what what needs to be in a Liverpool jersey. He just nothing. He just doesn't seem to be a player. Like he, he's not a threat. I've I seen Swansea players were letting him go because they knew he wasn't going to get near the ball mm. or he wasn't going to get in the box in, quickly enough to get a chance. Um, and it's 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 so hard, you know. Like, but taking the Swansea match, that was a second string team that we put out, and we show great, you know. Uh, Carried to come back in the end and get the result and really for the last I, I thought some of our best attacking play we've had in the last three or four games came in the last 20 minutes of the whole match and the last 20 minutes of, uh, of last night as well because we just seemed to click again there was the quick quick tempo yeah. passing going on we had players in around the box and as I was saying to you because we because Borini was more pushed more in central alongside um, Balotelli that was there suddenly defenders were being occupied suddenly Balotelli starts getting more space suddenly when he drifts out then they had somebody else to think about it wasn't a case where if he drifts out there's nobody else so it's, it, it's, it's easy for me to mark up there wasn't three or four defenders on one player so oh, fingers crossed fingers crossed we go in to this weekend and we take that good attack and play and we do play with players closer to him hmm. if he's starting there because I think if you put him up put one player up against a back four or he has three players marking him at all the time they're going to find it very... You need to be a truly exceptional centre-forward to play that one-striker role. And Fernando Torres was probably the best example when he was at Liverpool. But he was blessed with electric pace to create space out of nothing and, and, and get on to true But if you, go, if you go with Balotelli again at the weekend, you're going to see more of what we've seen. Like, it was, it was apparent that he didn't play and we've seen a very, very busy front line. We've seen players moving everywhere. The movement was Only when excellent. He came on. Only when he came no, on. No, no, in the first half, Liverpool... Liverpool dominated the game and there was lots of movement up front. There was lots of balls played through. You know, there was no cutting edge as we've constantly seen all season. But there was an awful lot. Of, there was it was a, a busy attacking performance. I thought I didn't think it was a, it was a great attacking performance. Well, look, I mean that. Well, that's that was my read anyway. Um, he's, it'd be it'd be a bad thing to to drop him now. Look, Balotelli, I was against him signing for the, for the club, but you know players are the fans are on his back now and it's counterproductive I mean there's groaning now I didn't, I didn't see him when he was taken off there one of the games was a little bit of a cheer yeah you I know, don't like was, that either it's, it's, it's sort of he's there now so you, you know you have to support him and a goal like last night and if he scores the weekend it's going to get the fans back in the side so I think there's no choice now but to sort of play him but the the idea that I was kind of 
uh, dabbling with in my head was to play Marlick last season and play an attacking trio of Coutinho, Sterling and uh, Lalana. Now I know there's no recognised striker in there, but there be a they will be a handful for most teams in the league, maybe Chelsea aside, City aside. They'd be a handful and I think you just you'd you'd see a lot more free flown um thing. And I mean Suarez was never a natural type of striker. He was just somebody who who hassled all game. And I mean when you think with them three players you can you can just give give a defence a headache. Whereas Balotelli on his if he's not on his game he's an easy fella to defend against uh, one of those players who's, who's mobile that, that, that's, that Andy hasn't mentioned is, is Fabio Barini what did you make of, of Balotelli's compatriot uh, Neil on the night I'd say well I thought he'd done well for this well he in the first half he had a real first opportunity he always looked lively well, a couple of, a good few weeks ago when I was on the pod here I said I think he should have been starting and it was met it was the, how should I say it was met with derision but listen, going back to everybody, the common thread throughout supporters and people on Twitter, wherever it is, Liverpool look best when they have two up front. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, I think everybody might agree on that for a change. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're going to play Balotelli or Lambert up front, you have to have someone who's mobile, willing to do the running, because them two particularly aren't going to do it. And I just thought, well, Sturridge isn't fit, Barini fits the bill. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, he's not... He's not a world beater by any stretch of the imagination. Getting back to what we were saying earlier on, he's still only a young lad as well. Mm-hmm. And we paid a lot of money for him. I said, that's a, but that's a bit of an aside. But he is very mobile. He will do the running that the other two possibly aren't going to do. He, do, he will give, he will, with me, he will at least occupy the two centre-halves. He won't be standing still, mm-hmm. which gives everybody else more room, for, more room for movement. So, yeah, I think... I'd like to see him starting the weekend. You would? Yeah. Okay, okay we'll, we'll come back to that later on when we're doing our preview. Uh, we'll wrap that up for now. Right, let's preview Newcastle versus Liverpool. And as we do so, it looks like Newcastle are about to record a victory over Manchester City. Um, they've just beaten Spurs. Um, has Alan Pardew relieved the pressure again with a couple of big wins? Or are they set with Mike Ashley about to sign off on a, on a Rangers deal? Uh, for another period of sort of confusion and chaos like Newcastle do well. Um, how are we fixed and how are we feeling going into this? Newcastle have been trying to bed in a lot of new talent, Andy. Um, are they like us in that respect and sort of liable to inconsistency? Is that something we can hang on to? Yeah, you'd hope they are, yeah. yeah. I mean, like just just, just our look that they've... they've beaten Spurs and it looks like they're beating City in the week that they're... Even mixing it up, the yeah, yeah, yeah. A run has to finish at some point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, momentum. momentum. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I suppose like <coughs> he's brought in a lot of players, like all the, all the French boys, you know, Alan Padjo. Um, <laughs> oh, nice, Andy, that was nice. <laughs> uh, Alan Padjo. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end of the break. Uh, <laughs> it's really you just kind of just keep saying Alan. Yeah, Padjo. Like, <laughs> just insert that himself. Uh, What's that in English? <laughs> but, um, oh god like I'm just shitting it now already <laughs> you, know, you, t- you look at the um, the spores and you think ah one off like yeah. back to normal series but the fact they've backed it up with a couple they must be buzzing now yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah and they're away from home back home now and the fans are oh no Jesus Neil you've had a little bit of a look at the at the, the Newcastle squad you told me don't do that face Go on, yeah. with, the, with the hair as well no, he's, not, he's not taking his piece of paper out of his back pocket no there's no, no, no. paper being produced at all tell, tell me a little bit about the <laughs> Newcastle strengths and weaknesses then fella. 
Newcastle well yeah. uh, the strength for Newcastle United will always be their home fans Trevor oh. <laughs> as he buys time <laughs> rooting in his jeans I'm not getting that now <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all of that you should see what he's written down <laughs> Alan Pound yeah. come on <laughs> sit back 20 minutes Andy help us <laughs> Alan Pachi. <laughs> <laughs> Neil, go on. Talk to me. And we always scored against Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> no, bear with me. Bear Which with me. one, though? Bear with me. Which one? It was Shola. It was Swanson. It was Sammy. Sammy. Right, Sammy. <laughs> What's it? This is fucking great. <laughs> this is gold. Oh, fucking brilliant. Anyway. Listen, that's me done, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's me. Put me paper back in me pocket. Oh, I'm fucking chuffed you did that. Over. That was cool. Well, it was over Newcastle for the start. <laughs> I couldn't believe this. There was a morning with Shola and Miobi in a pub. A morning with Shola. A morning with Shola and after, The morning after the night before with Shola they, and Miobi. They played. Uh, yeah, they played the night the night before, and th- there were all the players were out. Like they were all spotted out in the piss. But the morning, I, I couldn't believe it. What was Shola doing in this morning with Shola? I didn't hardly went to fucking see it. Well, how could you pass that? <laughs> it wasn't Shola, it was Sammy. It was Sammy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dave, as, uh, have you any concept of who might be playing for Newcastle before you? Well, uh, Sammy and Yogi. So, like the, the, uh, that young kid that um, uh, Aaron's, is it? The, uh, he scored tonight against City. So, they've got a couple of good young players, and then Perez, I think, scored their second goal on. Uh, it was his debut. Was that, yeah, it was his debut. Thanks, Neil. They are missing. Um, they're missing Sam Young, and some of the players that they brought in haven't really clicked in yet. But you know, they've got the likes of uh, Sissoko, who's mm-hmm. a big, powerful midfield player. Tiote can obviously still turn in a performance. Colaccini at the back is obviously strong. Cruz a good goalkeeper. Um, you know, the kid they brought in a right back, Jan Matt, I think it is the Dutch guy. Uh, you know. He hasn't had a great start to the season, but he's obviously talented. So, look, we can't be taking Newcastle lightly. They're going to be at home. They've, they, you know, there's two ways to look at it, right? If you follow Newcastle over the last couple of years, what usually happens is they have a really good run, they get safe, and then they're like, right, that'll do, you know? Mm. So they could be going, okay, we've had our one win in four that we need. So, and we, fuck, we've got through in the cup, which let's be honest, Newcastle never want to do. So they could take their foot off the gas. But we can't go there worrying about what they're going to do. We've got to go there going... Like, we have to win. It is simple as that. We have got to win. And hopefully the result uh, against Swansea um, will be a boost. We will should have, too, I hope we've got too much for them. Um, you know, same as I say against most teams, the only way we don't win is if we beat ourselves. You mm. know, that's the way I look at it. I think we're good enough to beat them. Well, they're on track for a very good result this evening. They've got a good result yeah. against Spurs. But on, uh, this <laughs> evening, they've beaten a, a very strong City team with Toure, Silva, Jovetic, Dzeko, Fernandinho all in the front uh, p- parts of the team. Mm. Without Krull in goal, without Sissoko, without, Sissoko, without Perez or the new boy Cabela or, or Sami uh, Amiobi. Or Riviere, uh, who are all the, the and Chris Armstrong plays from when he's 64. <laughs> That's wonderful <laughs> and very useful. So my point is, Phil, they're like they're not 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 a team, especially with the momentum behind them, to be taken lightly. No, and look, we can't afford to take any team lightly, as, as the whole result proved that uh, last weekend. You know, we, we have to we have to find the result. Um, going back to what we've been saying for the last few weeks, where will it be? <laughs> <laughs> Possibly at the end of the game, <laughs> yeah. or maybe even during the game. But we have to find it, and when we find it, we need to make sure that we like the result. Yeah. So the the, the most important thing is that we get the result. Get the result. Yeah. Then yeah but a, a positive result. The result being a win. This is yeah. class. This, this is, is really absolute gold. gold. Yeah. I think now Andy hit the nail on the head. 
None of us are confidence going into, confident going into this game of the weekend. Yeah, I just think I just think going into it. If you look at Newcastle, up until recently, have been a mess, right? And um, they, you know, they, they just poor attacking, poor defensively. Yeah, it worse than us. Like they were lumbering down the bottom of the league. You know what I mean? The issue for us is that we need to win more than anything because that that's the minimum. We'll be on seventeen points if we win. If we don't win. We're, like, we're, we are in terms of scratching for points at this stage and as I was saying like, looking at, at, at a run to, at two points per game average if you want to be on 40 points come um, the 20 game mark you need to, if, if, if we win on Saturday we need to take 23 from 30 points if we don't win on Saturday we need to take 26 from 30 hmm. which reduces your, 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 your error um, percentage there and that includes games against United and Arsenal as well so Chelsea. you know and, and Chelsea so like you know you want to have at least a bank that if you know facing the harder games that if the result doesn't happen there it doesn't really it's not going to seriously impact on the two points per game ratio for for the whole Champions League team that's going on so what we need to do is we need to get at Newcastle's weaknesses which is mainly a lack, serious lack of pace in the defence um, yeah. and that you know coming back to what we were talking about earlier on we need to have we need to have a high tempo attack on, on the actual pitch um, and can we have it? Yeah, we can. As I said, the last 20 minutes of both games shows that if we go with the intensity and, the te- and that tempo that we brought, when we had Coutinho on the pitch, when we have Sterling back on the pitch, let's say, when you have somebody in alongside Balotelli, we, we need to stop, uh, you know, the, uh, it's, it's this 4-2-3-1. It encourages us more or less to sit deep. Uh, and you, you, you think he's going to start with that again? Yeah, I do. I Jesus do. I, th- I, think, I think we're locked. Like, had we started with something different against Swansea, mm. I would have said, yeah, he's, he's looking to change it for the weekend. But I think we start that way again. And again, I think it could be that we want we need to keep it tight and it'll be the last 20 minutes that we win the match in. Yeah. So it'll be, he then goes and changes it for the last 20 minutes, whatever way it does, and puts more bodies in and, and we go. It's almost a reverse of last year. Where last year, the first 20 minutes of every match we went and just destroyed teams in terms of movement. Thing now we're trying to tire teams out, avoid defensive lapses, and either nick a goal in the first half or really go at teams in the last twenty minutes, which is very very rapid. Yeah, we're it's not going to beat anyone one 0 Phil. Though sure not. So we're going to have to score two goals again in the last twenty minutes at least. It's madness. I, listen, you know I, mean? I, I, I know, and listen, I'm, I'm with you, but yeah. I, I just think like I'd love to see us go two up top go high tempo from the start go you know with all the good things that we're at but there's no but, evidence but the reality is it's not going to happen no, and, and, and I imagine he's going to go similar to the whole game I think we're going to go with be Henderson, Chan and Gerrard because they're going to look to yeah. offset the, the strength you know they have a very physical midfield Newcastle have with Sissoko and Teote and Callback as well and callback has been playing very very well for them is. you know um, and they look to put themselves about and they look to foul us they will look to, and Newcastle have been doing that like they, 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 similar to West Ham when under Allardyce they'll just look to get in and kick the players off, off the actual ball so we, we'll need that air physicality there and it's up to the defenders Like, they, so hang on if you go Henderson Chan Gerrard then uh, either side towards a diamond there eh? yeah uh, either side of Baltelli then no, you're going to have it, it doesn't necessarily edge towards a diamond because if he sets up as a, as a 4-2-3-1 as he, as he did with, with Allen and, and Chan and, and Gerrard he played Chan and, and, and Gerrard there and had Alan sort of in the tree in front of them okay. like he could push Henderson into the tree in front of them or he might say to Chan and Henderson to alternate between who's taking that that point and one of you sitting beside Gerard that's there it doesn't necessarily change the shape into a diamond or a 4-3-3 as such I would love to see us going with the diamond Gerard put Chan and Henderson in, into the two positions either side there and then have Coutinho um, in the 10 or even play Sterling in the 10 and put Coutinho off 
Balotelli because the one thing Coutinho's been doing really well is he's getting the shots on target he's getting into great shooting positions and he's taking shots which are you know which are forcing keepers to make saves <coughs> yeah he's and, also and seen a pass though which, which, which you need him deeper for and the, but the other thing is when going back to our fourth season when we brought Sturridge in when we went and we destroyed Newcastle that day and put the six past and whatever it was right the, Coutinho was playing more or less off Sturridge that day like, and I know Sturridge is a different type striker but he was playing off him and so he was able to play ship not long through balls, but those short through balls. That you know. and Balotelli has a burst of pace. You could see it last mm. night when when he goes, he can go. And if we can just, you know, that that's to me ideally how we line up. But I think we go four two three one. I think I'm not sure whether Coutinho starts. I think Lallana could come back into the team. It could be Lallana, um, Sterling, and Balotelli as the other three. If you've got um, mm. Henderson, Gerrard, and Chan as the as the, as the so as you the, see Coutinho uh, stepping out. Yeah, and I think then he looks to bring Coutinho in. Uh, going back to what I said about the last 20, about he impact. looks to bring him in to change the tempo again, change the pace. It's fucking bananas, really, isn't it? Well, listen, this is what he's been doing all season. And, you know, it, it, he, he obviously feels that this is a way to go, the way that we, if, if we're going to be, look to be tight at the back and then win the game in the last 20 minutes when the teams have tore, have, have, when he's tore teams out. Dave, would you uh, concur or would you see it lining up differently? Do you think that uh, he might go for something different? Well, I a slightly different view of what we've done I don't think we've played a flat 4-2-3-1 I think he plays Jared as the deepest and then I think he plays two more players in midfield and they tend to rotate so I think if you watch <coughs> the game there's times where Jean is the furthest forward and Alan was dropping back and vice versa so I don't think he plays two holding midfielders I think he has one deep midfielder and then he has at least one other dropping in and being the link in midfield and in midfield. So I think he's more a 4-3-3 rather than a 4-2-3-1. I think the graphics and the things that the way the teams line up, people think it's a 4-2-3-1. So I don't personally think he's going to do that. I think he should start Coutinho, and I've got a funny feeling he will. I don't think he'll play Jean. I think he'll play uh, Gerard Henderson. I think he'll play Coutinho in the midfield. And I think he'll play Lalana, Sterling and Balotelli mm. as his front three. And that that's what I think he should play. I think that that's... That's why really, and you don't think the Jared Henderson as the two deepest of the midfielders is a bit of an issue? Not really, because uh, Newcastle don't have a lot of pace uh, to kind of run in beyond Gerard. Um, he's had a week off, so he should be, you know, kind of and, as fit as he's going to get. Like I, 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 in my ideal world, if I was picking the team, I wouldn't play Gerard. Mm. I'd play Chan and Henderson. I'd, I'd actually for this game, I'd change it completely. I'd, I'd look to go four, see what it looks like four four one one mm. and play Gerard and Hend- uh, sorry Chan and Henderson as the as the two centre midfielders because they can go, they can run, they can go box yeah. box. I don't but he's not having, he's not having not, a go at Gerard either. Like uh, just uh, no. the reason why Chan was brought in was so mm. he could step in and out, so yeah, he wouldn't yeah. have to play every but, game. But I think, yeah, I think, I think the, but he's not going to do that. No. So I think we're trying no, to pretend to say yeah. No, I know what you mean. And look, I I love Emre Jan with and. You know, unhealthy amount in terms of what a player I think this this guy is going to be for us. So he would, you know, be that he would be playing in in a midfield three for me with Coutinho and Henderson. I don't think if Jean plays, I don't think we play with a deep lying midfielder. I think you know that him and Henderson are rotating in that role, but he's not going to do that. He's going to play Jared, um, and I think I think Balotelli, Sterling, and Lalana up front, Coutinho in the midfield, and I would play both Colo Toure and Brad Jones. Oh, sadly, Brad Jones a big shout. Um, Andy, would you would you comment on the Brad Jones shout that we've just heard there? Well, yeah, I mean, looking at him last night, you'd have to say you trust him ahead of Miguel at the moment. Would you? Yeah, maybe it's what yeah. he needs. Like I was saying, up to it's what know, who needs Miguel needs yeah, a kicking yeah. the arse. Like yeah, yeah. Like I was saying up to a few weeks ago, uh, you know, with it, I think it was in the previous uh, Capital One Cup game. 
you have to play big now. You know, he needs the game time. He needs to build his confidence back up. But that hasn't really worked. So, fuck it. Why not? You know, when Jones has <coughs> stepped in, he's done okay. I can't really think of too many bad things he's done. Mm. Miguelay has made an awful lot of bad mistakes lately. So, I don't think it'll happen, but I wouldn't be totally against it. It's an interesting... But if you look at what City did last season, I Joe don't think Hart the drop-off between Joe Hart and Pantillamon is any bigger than the drop-off between Mignolet and Jones. Right? And City, who were going for... You know, had the most expensive... It's economies of scale, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. But I, I don't think... Yeah. That, yeah, no, but Joe Hart's a much better player than Mignolet. Right? Yeah, and Pantillamon is a yeah. better player than Jones. Okay, yeah, but, well, yeah, you yeah. don't like Joe Hart. But, I mean... You know, let's let for argument. But so I don't think the drop off to Jones, and I think Minnelli needs taken out of the firing line. I think they, I think the whole defense needs him taken out of the firing line, and they just need to know that the guy behind them is going to come for the cross. He's going to come for the balls he should be coming for, and I, I just think they need a fresh change in the goalkeeper. And I would play Torre because I think Torre and Lovren is better than Lovren and Skrill. So my shout of dropping Gerard and playing a four four one one is less realistic than I'm dropping Mignolet. Mm, apparently. Yeah. Straw poll. Of, 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 of the five heads in the room, how many people would not think it's going to happen, but would actually start with Jones? Yes, I would. You would. Yeah. That's one. I would, yeah. Two. No. Tell me why not, though. Phil? Because, He's sorry, not, Phil, go like, on. Just get, get, give me the count first, Phil. No. No. I wouldn't either. So that's three versus two. And the reason why I wouldn't, the reason why I wouldn't, going back to Dave in terms of the drop off, right? I think the problem we have is that if, if Jones comes in and there's an error and he concedes a goal, then I think there's a bit of revisionism here about yeah. Jones just because he hasn't played in so long. He's a really bad goalkeeper. <laughs> Listen, there's no point. He's shit. No, he is really. No, bad. And, and listen, Neil, I'm with you. I, I think right for all of Mignolet's faults, right? The issue that Mignolet came in. And everyone was delighted Mignolet came in because he wasn't Reina and he was saving shots, mm. right? And then when he's not then doing the things that Reina used to do so well, Mignolet is terrible, okay? Mm. So, but we knew what we bought when we bought Mignolet. We didn't buy another Reina or we didn't buy a better version of Reina. We bought a goalkeeper to do a specific job. The problem is that that job, looking at the way we play, isn't good enough for what we need because our defence isn't early dominant on set pieces and isn't great around the box in terms of that's too close to but uh, for this game I don't I, I just don't think I think it I think at the moment it sends it's not the right time to do it I think if Mignolet comes in and has another howler let's say right then that's the time to do it because then it's too late then well it, it's not really because it's you've got every every chance possible that Jones comes in and has a howler as well so yeah. I just don't well, accept well, the fundamental not really he's not had too many yeah. he's not had not like Mistakes at all, really. Was it you, Andy, that was saying earlier on about playing, or was it Neil that was saying about playing, playing, uh, dropping Mignolet out seemed a really bizarre idea, given that he'd just had a clean sheet at least, and we could have gone into the cup and he could have had another one. I was actually, I think we saw earlier on, you know what yeah, I mean? I don't think anyone uh, is, 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 thanks, that, Neil. That, that didn't happen. Is, <laughs> it was, 
Yeah, yeah. So what, what, what about that? I mean, like, just was it almost just willful putting them in just for the cup match because it's a cup match? Was it was it actually a bad? I decision? think there's been a, a, probably a promise made to Jones at the start of the season that you're going to play the Carling Cup games, mm. and he couldn't break that promise. I think I oh, imagine that's what it was. Isn't that what? Our I think he broke he, he, he broke it in the, he broke it in, the, in the last one because I think Minnelli's confidence was so low. <laughs> yeah. And he conceded yeah, thirteen goals, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> that's why. I mean, that was that, that went was, well. That was definitely uh, Rogers' logic. Uh, look, it's not going to happen. You know, where we can debate about it. I don't. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't. I'd start Tory. I'm with I'm with with Dave. That's the big question, really. I'd, isn't I'd it? start Tory. Who starts alongside and Lovren? Because Lovren will start. And my my argument for starting Tory comes back to the whole thing that I think that the Skirt and Lovren partnership is one of the worst centre back partnerships I've seen at the club in a long, long time. Mm. But the crazy kamikaze potential between Lovren and, and Tory is is immense. But they're, they're, Newcastle are at the same level as Swansea. <laughs> yeah, but did you see one stage Tory on his arse again? He's well, like an insect I tell you, down. You, you can you can have a laugh. Shit, At the same time, he 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 does some very intelligent things. There's a there's a there's a, cha- there's a chance when Swansea are going through last night, and he just fouls the fella on the halfway line. If that Skirtle Skirtle tries to wrestle, I don't him, think he meant that. He did. Yeah. Skirtle tries to wrestle him yeah. and then doesn't, and, and your man runs straight much, through. He's also ball. much better with the ball, much better with the ball than Skirtle mm. is. He carries the ball better than a Skirtle does. Yeah, I think right, he's. Yeah. Uh, proactive the way Lovren is proactive that leads to some of the calamitous moments that we see but he doesn't drop 10 yards every time the ball yeah. comes into the half I, I think there's look Colo Tour is not the long term answer no but like he looks fitter and he's looked I think yeah. since his first three games with Liverpool um, I thought he looked good last night I think he's certainly read Lovren better than Skirtle would so. Skirtle kind of will do his own thing whereas it, you know Torre isn't a big ego he'll He'll look and he'll yeah. he'll he looked to come in and do a job. Same yeah. way that Sammy yeah. used to come in and do a job for us in the last couple of seasons where, yeah. you know, you wouldn't have had him as fourth choice, but no. you put him in when the defence was a bit rickety or whatever, you put him in and you say, do you know what, we'll just put in the oldest dog we have in, in, in the shed because, you know, there'll be a bit more cuteness about him. There's a bit more, you know, something about it. And we're talking about responsibility. Of all the defenders, of all the centre-backs we have, to me, Torre is the most likely to take responsibility for what's going on, yeah. even if it's the wrong thing. Yeah. Tell you what, it goes to show how really bad the defence has slipped if we're talking up Torre to come in to, no. to, to make things a little bit more solid. This madness. <laughs> well, uh, the, the only really is, well, crazy. But I think I think that's it's, where we're at. Like though. Daniel Agard is the man, isn't he? Although he, maybe he's broken. Well, we, we can't because he's at Bromby. No, I know, but maybe. <laughs> Maybe he was broken and he but sure we never replace. Listen, it's getting back into recruitment and all. We could be here for a month I know, talking but, but about listen, it. Listen, I think, I think, I think there's on. definitely a valid shout for starting Torrey. Well, but let's finish it out with Mankio. Does he keep his place? For me, he does. Yeah, but, uh, there's absolutely no reason why he doesn't keep his place. Will he keep his place? Um, I think yes. I think he does. I think he will because I, really I think, hope he does, yeah. I think Rodgers will want to play Johnson against Madrid. And I think that mm. I don't think Ro- I don't think Johnson has three games in him. So I think he'll play Marquio Saturday and play Rogers. Uh, play Rogers. Play Johnson against. Uh, I think I think Johnson is now the alternate. I think Enrique's out of the picture completely, right? And I think you'll see Johnson rotate in for Moreno and Marquio. So he'll play a lot of games until Flanagan's fit. Until Flanagan's fit. I think fit. what Andy was saying is right the way Rogers is handling Johnson and Mankio. I think he's bang on the way he's doing it. Yeah, right. Mankio isn't ready. He's not ready yet. You know, we are getting a bit blinded by a hatred for Johnson. Like we've we've, oh, we've grown. We've grown. I, to, I, I thought he did all right last night. He did, yeah. But we've grown. We've grown to really fucking. But I'll say. I'll say. I think he's still a better left back. Left back now 
than he is a right back because he has less hairbrain moments at left back than he does at yeah, right back. Yeah, he's more disciplined in his movement. I, I think because it's not his natural side, he concentrates mm. more in the left back position than he does in the right back position. He's, he's more, he's, he's, he's more dangerous well. when he gets forward uh, from a le- from from a left hand side. Yeah, he had he one shot and goal, with, you know, with his with his right foot. And Skirtle makes him worse. I'm sorry, Skirtle and Johnson as a right sided defensive yeah. unit is atrocious. They both drop too deep. They don't talk to each other. They don't communicate. They leave massive open gaps. That's the right side of our defence against Newcastle then, sorted. Uh, right, yeah. let's let's go around the table and get a prediction from everyone, Andy. Um, put your mortgage on nil nil at half time. Fourteen goals in the last ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> now you were didn't reckon it to be a one nil. I think this is the one nil, and, and Liverpool win one nil. You think one Hen- Henderson gets it? Lovely. That's nice and specific. Yeah. What about Neil? I think it'll be a score draw. <coughs> a score draw. Okay. I'm going to leave it at that because I don't know how many we're going to concede. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. Dave? Uh, well, I think we'll win. I think... I think we'll... I think we'll win 2-0. And I think Balotelli will score. Mm. At least one. You think 2-0? Okay. I think 2-0. I but think, to be fair, we're not, cons- we're not scoring ones. We are scoring twos. Twos and threes is what we can see. Yeah. So the question mm. is, do we do we concede? Do we concede? Um, I think the last two games, we talked about it loads on the pods. I think the last two games have shown improvement. So two nil. Two nil. Okay. Well, I think I think you're right. I think we concede. I think Mario scores. So I think you're right again. But I think clearly Dejan Lovren gets another goal because he's wonderful. And Phil, your shout for the prediction is. <laughs> just cut in the one from last week and, we're and for every other week ever <laughs> I am Lou Schwari you are listening to Trippers Chat right let's move on to uh, the Trippers Chats section of the show which is where you guys suggest some topics for us to talk about and we're joined for this evening by Christian von Strenkhare also known as von Strenginho on um, Twitter Um yeah. Chris, you've uh, made a bit of a name for yourself of late with some of your uh, wonderful vines. Um, do you want to talk to us a little bit about those? It's uh, it's been fun. It's uh, been a crazy two months. Uh, I had uh, I've gained like twelve thousand followers in uh, two months on Twitter with those vines. Uh, and for 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 people who haven't seen them, uh, Chris, what's the basic subject matter? Because they they seem to recur- <laughs> recur- uh, there seems to be a recurrent theme there. It's uh, in international break. It's Roy Hodgson. Uh, yeah. Other than that, it's been uh, mostly Tancredi Palmieri. <laughs> excellent. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm trying to branch out a little. Uh, <laughs> excellent, excellent. More variation now. Okay, okay, very good, very good. Well, look, we're going to get the ball rolling with you with with, with our first question, um, which has come in, and it is, uh, yeah, your favorite Bond girl. And he sheds on that. That's from Nacho Man Candy Cabbage. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> anyway, Chris, your favorite Bond girl? Go. Yeah, I start. Uh, it's. Um, I, I'm not really a, uh, at, into Bond, but uh, going to head, I choose Isabella Scrocco just because I was at the right age when she was a Bond girl. That was so. that was that was a Brosnan one, right? 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I seem to recall her. But of you course, recall them all. Of course, I recall. I recall you were the, sitting with Ian Fleming when he was writing the books, for God's sake. <laughs> I recall the silent era. <laughs> the first silent Bond movie. <laughs> I think that was Goldeneye. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Phil, as a man who likes to pretend he's much younger than me, but isn't really, um, who's your favourite Bond girl? Yeah. Go on. I don't, oh, you don't watch films is that what you're going to tell me I don't I'm watch like films Michael, I've only ever watched nine films fucking hell <laughs> has anyone got a bongo show for me here oh yeah the, what's on. the girl that's in uh, oh come on you girl. Girl. Uh, Ros- <laughs> Rosamund Pike is it the girl in Gone Girl oh yeah she's outstanding you're far, you're but, but, her. Bond girl not Gone Girl yeah she was in a Bond oh, she is, yeah. <laughs> she's, she's, she's a fencer right she's a fencer in that a movie. fencer yeah. what, what does that mean is that a euphemism for something she's a fencer what does they do she fences diamonds no she's Fences with a fucking. <laughs> Jesus. She makes fences. Yes, that's she right. She paints fences. I think. Bloody hell, Andy! Andy sheds for bond girls. You just, just I don't really watch films in general. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> what a shower of fucking shelter. Fuck films, great good or not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A remote control. Halle Berry was, was good. Was Halle Berry's mm. quite good as a bond girl. Was she happy with that? None of them are. Orsula Andrews is a famous one, isn't she? Yeah, Orsula Andrews. Isn't it? Orsula Andrews, yeah. Famous one. Yeah, sound. Who was Octopussy? Diana Rigg or someone. Oh no, that's going back too far. Yeah, I'm not sure. Huh? I remember Jaws. Let's go with Jaws. My favorite. Bond. The blondie board uh, that was Jaws. Jaws girlfriend. She's yeah. lovely. Yeah, yeah, she was lovely. Lovely pigtails. Next door. Well, that went well. That went really well. <laughs> I'm so glad we started with that. Uh, uh, favorite pub snack, Andy. Seeing as you don't uh, watch films, doesn't eat pub snacks. Do you, do, 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 do you eat a pub snack? Really got a pubs. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, yeah. You don't read in pubs anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's very tragic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, pub snack. Yeah, go on. Uh, well, pub snacks have come on a lot. You know, this don't give me the history. Tell me, tell me your favorite fucking pub snack. No, like, I mean, you Deep can fried get, tripe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You don't just like get peanuts and Pringles and King Crisps and pubs anymore. You can get lovely stuff. So what's your favourite? That's what um, the question's asking. That's Tom's question. Uh, <laughs> it's not pub food now. It's pub snacks. It is pub a different thing. Well, okay, well, for example, like, scampi fries would be mine, for example. Jeez, oh, would you stop? <laughs> <laughs> You eat a pack of them you just questions asked when you go it's home. <laughs> so, <laughs> Neil, yes. pub snack. Favourite pub I snack. I don't go to pubs. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Chris, favourite pub snack. Uh, I, I have a good one. Uh, did you ever hear of Smollett? No. No, what's that, man? Uh, you don't really want to know. But, okay. Uh, it's, it's in... Um, uh, in Poland, they have this. Uh, it's called Schmalitz. It's basically it's basically a jar full of lard, and you, you can you <laughs> fucking horrible lard. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's lard. Yeah, well, you, you you put it on a little slice of bread, like a spread, and you eat it uh, together with your beer. And it's uh, it sounds really disgusting. It looks really disgusting, but it's actually pretty good. Lard, yes, Phil. Smollett. Smollett, I think we'll go so with that. that a hip, hipster pub snack. <laughs> a hipster pub snack. Get okay. Smollett into the bars. Uh, Carl Matchett, uh, Phil, oh. asks a more specific question. Uh, yes. And he's looking to know about burgers. And he's wondering when do burgers become gourmet, considered gourmet food? You can go to Gourmet Burger, for example, now uh, at the moment. When uh, this other, other gourmet burger places are available. They are. They like are. Joe when they're Borg? 15 quid a burger, you can call it gourmet, can't you? So you reckon? Before that, it's just a burger. You think and before that, it's a patty. So it's a marketing <laughs> thing? Yeah. 
So I'm going right back and then, then just before well, the patty, it it's just a, a ham sandwich. Patty. Yeah, a, hang a beef patty. <laughs> That's what McDonald's called them. A the patty, beef patty yeah. is okay. the burger bit yeah. in the meat bit in the middle. Yeah, and then you get a quarter pounder. <laughs> then you get a gourmet burger. Yeah, but you wouldn't have went anywhere and said, "Can I have a patty?" Well, you would do if that's what you wanted. Like. Depends on how gourmet the burger is, because yeah. it could be reductive in terms of gourmet its burgers. <laughs> gourmet burgers are just uh, reinvented homemade burgers. Yeah, fancier bread. Not just that, but like it's an actual lump of meat. It's not eyeballs and all. <laughs> <laughs> it's not shit that's swept up off the floor of the meat factory. It's actual decent, you know, lean mince. Yeah. So and when did it become gourmet? Yeah, that's my point. Was it when, when somebody decided to slack, like Neil says, someone yeah, slapped basically, a basically, twenty euro basically price Basically, when on. you wanted to cheap, when you wanted to get more cheap ingredients into your restaurant and sell it at bigger margins. What are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> what day is it? I, I'm going to move away from burgers onto another question, which is football based, and it's going to get you football thinking. Athlete. Going to think you about the past. Football. Uh, football. Uh, this is this is this is basically a five aside, fictional five aside between last season's squad and Kenny's first time around that oh, era from the, from the for, so from the late 80s yeah yeah right so who's going to win a five-a-side and who would be on the five-a-side teams I, like I mean I think the Kenny's one picks itself doesn't it it's, it's, it's Kenny Hanson Barnsley Beardsley Brucey and Bruce <laughs> that's it mm. is that five that was very that's five. there there you go now, who who could possibly give that a game from last season's squad? Brad Jones and goal. Ali Sissoko. Yeah. Victor Moses. <laughs> See, we're taking this fucking seriously. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah. Lambert up front, nice and mobile for the five. Last, last season. season. Oh, last season. Yeah. Did I say Lambert up front? As far as. Yeah. Well, I mean, Jesus, there's definitely five good players from last year. Yeah, like. but who would be the best five side? Suarez, yeah. Coutinho, Sterling. Sturridge. Sturridge. And Henderson. Henderson in goal. Yeah, we've no, yeah, we've no, no five aside though. Five aside. You don't, you don't need sentiments for for five aside. No. You need crafty, tricky players who can bang the ball off the wall. No, Alan. Yeah, Joe Allen. Well, that's he'd be good. He'd be good, good in tight spaces. He's very good at turning yeah. in tight spaces. So Alan um, Suarez, Sterling, the whole. Yeah, who, who's who's gonna stand at the back in front of you there and help you out as a keeper Enrique he's ideal for five a side he is he <laughs> is goalie. He's, he's absolutely ideal for five a side how do, you, how do you work that out because small pitch yeah he doesn't actually have to worry about space behind or anything like that and he just wants to shepherd so he'll just shepherd you over to the wall yeah. <laughs> stand think how excited he'd be think how excited he'd be it would be exciting yeah. oh, I'd, I'd fancy that team to beat Kenny's team I think any team of Suarez team beats Kenny's team any team with Suarez and it beats Kenny's team. That's I a big shit. Imagine Suarez a five-a-side. Imagine Suarez a five-a-side. Imagine Kenny that beats Kenny. John Barnes in the same yeah, thing. John Barnes? Kenny never used to run as much as Suarez. He Suarez wouldn't be anymore. Don't have to in five-a-side. No. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Uh, Chris, let's move on to another question. This is from Tony. And Tony's wondering, uh, was there ever a crap player that you secretly rated despite the fact that everybody kind of hated them? There was a lot of evidence that they were very crap indeed. Was there any player that you kind of secretly rated? Uh, it's, uh, I don't really get the question secretly rated. Uh, well, basically, very, uh, very outspoken. Okay, okay, right, right, right. <laughs> but, so, uh, 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 maybe Jay Spearing. Jay Spearing's a brilliant shout, actually. Yeah, yeah. 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 I knew, I, I knew inside that he was never going to be good enough, but I wanted him so badly to become good enough. Yeah, you, uh, you, you still cheered him on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and he did, he did, he did have everything uh, apart from the height. <laughs> and, <laughs> nice, yeah. and, and add a touch 
and finishing and pace. <laughs> but apart from that, the perfect footballer. Andy, was there anyone in that category for you? I think a lot of them will go back when I was a bit younger, you know. Yeah. Um, I thought Don Hutchison was an amazing player. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Randy Rosenthal was another favourite. Yeah. I just, yeah, just didn't really, I suppose, back, you know, you're, you're young, probably, actually probably a bit more clued in than I am now. But um, <laughs> then I just thought, I actually had a, like a fully blown, I always remember that Christmas party years ago in the, in the Cousins and I was telling everyone how good Don Hutchison was and he's fucking amazing, he's going to score loads of goals, he's the next in or she's fucking going to, and no. Just didn't work out yeah. <laughs> I was the same with Rosenthal, I remember Rosenthal went in a, like at the beginning part of his uh, Liverpool career, he scored in a few games. He, he scored like, loads of goals. He had like a burger-esque run where he was just majestic and mm. you know all the kids in the playground started, you know, you weren't, uh, you know, you weren't Barnes anymore or whatever, you were Rosenthal yeah, and then, yeah. you know, yeah. looking back now, you're like, fucking hell. <laughs> didn't, yeah, didn't he have eight? Didn't he have eight goals in seven games? When he yeah, came? So, yeah, exactly. Eight goals in seven games. Looked like a world beater. And then it just there. went Rosenthal. Neil, yeah. who's yours? Specifically Liverpool. Well, no, it doesn't have to be. No. It doesn't spe- specify that. So. Ashley Grimes used to play for Luton, play for Ireland as well. I used to think he was brilliant when I was a kid because I think he played for the first match everyone to watch Ireland playing, but he was, in actual fact, he was shit. <laughs> 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 Phil, can you uh, finish this out for us? Um, it's, it's, I don't know. Really? No, nobody really. Ivan Leonardson. Did you you you, you rated oh. him? Yeah. And you yes. weren't that young then, Phil. Mm. No, but like I was, that speaks volumes. I, I was drinking a lot then. <laughs> 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 I know a shit player that you rate. Who? Balotelli. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Bollocks. <laughs> I, I didn't want to go there. <laughs> Aspas, actually, there you go. There you go. There you go. Man. You did rate him for a while, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did defend the match for a long fucking time yeah. in this show. Yeah, yeah. he did. That's yeah. perfect. Yeah. Okay, good finish. Last one then uh, of this little run is um, from Lloyd. And Lloyd is wondering, what's the funniest or weirdest gamer handle or Twitter handle or anything like that you've ever come across? I suppose we should start with you, Chris, seeing as uh, you're, you're uh, kind of coming to the fore in that area yourself. <laughs> I, I like the simple ones. Those that are so... Subtle and simple that they are funny just because they're stupid. And like uh, I saw someone this summer called themselves Childish Berahino. Oh yeah, yeah, very good, very good. Like that one. Uh, any others? Uh, uh, Ghostface Kilo. Ghostface. What was the second part? Ghostface Kilo. Like Ghostface. Ah, Kilo, yeah, very good. Kilo. Very good. Ah, yeah. yeah. These, these, are, these are silly puns. These are good silly puns, Phil. No, none for you, Andy. Not, not that screams off. Like no. there was someone on the occasion you used to see play online on the Xbox playing Call of Duty called Blood Fart. <laughs> <laughs> and I can never get it on the head. Yeah, it's a horrible fucking image. <laughs> that's a oh, fucking that's hospitalisation. Like, that is. Oh, yeah. That's dead. That's yeah. disturbing. Yeah, Blood Fart. Anyone beat Bloody Blood Fart, or should we just move away? <laughs> just move away. Let's move away with that hanging in the air here. <laughs> Literally hanging <laughs> in the air. <laughs> okay. Right. We'll wrap it up there. I have to ask Chris while you're on the line, what will be your dream vine? My dream vine? Yeah. Like, uh, w- would it be Tancredi interviewing Hudson? <laughs> uh, uh, I, I don't really like to mix those, those two worlds because they have nothing to do with each other. Uh, That's a bizarre uh, rule, Chris. What, what's, what, what inspires that? I mean, uh, I, some of the mixtures I've seen, and then you're coming out with this weird logic. What's that about? 
uh, other really that weird? Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Sorry. No, but it's it's there. There are different universes. Uh, <laughs> right, right, right. Okay. So you reckon you reckon a bit like Ghostbusters? You never cross the lines. Never cross yeah. the streams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Chris. Thanks a million for joining us this evening to talk about that. Thanks for having me. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Cheers, mate. Thanks for coming on. Finish with some admin. Irish listeners who like and want to play football should come and do so at Astro Park. Book your pitch time at astropark.ie. On our website, lfcdaytrippers.com, we have a fresh raft of class articles which are coming up from some very good writers, including uh, Dave Thomas is here tonight. And they're on their way. Uh, you can link directly to the show on the website as well, so get on there and have a look. The day trip that we've been speaking about on Saturday, LFC fans coming from all over the country, heading to Waterford to Dooley's Hotel. We're going to be there and we're going to be recording a live show which we'll be hopefully releasing to you um, to listen to. Uh, if you want to get involved, get on and get in touch with YNWA Irish Reds. Your day trippers tonight were Andy Young, Christian Von String, Harry, Dave Thomas, Neil Gray, Phil Casey and myself, Trev Downey. Well, De Young is out injured. CM De Young. Um, Luke De Young's brother is at Hotel. Is he? No. Fuck. Well, he talking? is actually. He is it. He is it. That played for Newcastle last season. Well, CM used to be Ajax captain. He was a fucking proper player. And he was a country. What's he doing with them dickheads? Country player. as well. That's Siam, man. <laughs> but, sorry, we'll go with that. <laughs> it depends, depends on what alphabet you're using. Edgar Davids is from, actually. What is Siam? No, he's from Guyana. No, he's not. He is, yeah. I Dutch Guyana. So. Yeah. Don't fucking back down. Don't back down now. You've got the fucking hair. You That's what he does, though. That's what he does. everything with sorts of tarries. Actually, you do. You do. On the podcast, you come over as a... No, it's not like that at all. What? Okay, right. It's it's, it's Dutch Suriname he's from. Is he? Yeah, that's why you're thinking Siam. It's actually Dutch Suriname. Most of them... You've just said Dutch Suriname now. Yeah. So it's not Siam at all. No. Where's Siam? Beside it. <laughs> you know, just behind the spar, behind the spar there on the corner. On subject, he knows fuck all. I have to say, where you pulled Dutch sorry name out? That's impressive. Though. Yeah, I, I did like that. Right. Cousins of French Guyana. <laughs> fuck me! Can we please start? This is going fucking man. At Capella University, education is as smart as the world around us. With the FlexPath format, you can take classes at your own pace, set your own deadlines and even leverage your previous experience to move faster. Now that's smart. Learn more at capella.edu. All this week on NBC4, new products to new technology. Susan Hogan is showing you how local restaurants are changing the way we dine in and take out in this new world. Tonight at 6. A new twist on outdoor eating. A lot of it is creating flexibility. How one local restaurant is making their outdoor space mobile, giving you plenty of sunshine and social distance for a stress-free meal. It's all part of restaurant revitalization. Tonight at 6 on NBC4, working for you. Sports Social Podcast Network.